Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 7 of Revelation chapter 19. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. In our last study, we went to Matthew chapter 22 and looked at the parable there of a king who bids guests uh, to a wedding. And we saw that God actually is picturing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, during uh, the the two periods of time in which he did pour out his Holy Spirit for uh, the early rain and the latter rain. And, and also in that parable in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, the Lord pictures Judgment Day as the time when the wedding is held. Now, we uh, also have been discussing how God is likening himself to a bridegroom and those that uh, he has saved as the bride. Uh, let's go to another passage that also shows this marriage relationship, this spiritual marriage between the Lord Jesus Christ and those that he saves. In Romans chapter 7, I'm going to read the first four verses. We will see that God actually pictures all of mankind as being married to the law of God. And yet that husband, the law of God, condemns its wife due to the wife's infidelity. The wife has been unfaithful. And this is the reason why God, in the epistle of James, for instance, addresses mankind as ye adulterers and adulteresses, because we're all spiritually bound and married. We're under the dominion of the law of God. As soon as we're created, as soon as we're born into the world, we are in the submissive role the, the role of the wife bound to her husband, the law of God, and we are subject to obey it. And to obey it perfectly, because if we fail to obey on one point, the Bible says we're guilty of all. And if we commit sin, the wages of sin is death. And it is the jealous husband the law of God in the day of judgment where we're presently at in time 
that is condemning the wife that has transgressed the boundaries of the law and committed spiritual adultery. And God has laid down laws in the Bible that indicate the adulterer or adulteress is to be stoned to death because the wages of sin is death. It's a picture that God has established to point to this close, intimate relationship that mankind created in his image has with the word of God or the law of God. And Romans chapter 7 goes into discussion of this spiritual marriage between man and the law of God. And it says in verse 1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Now, notice that statement. The law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. And in the marriage relationship, the husband, the the man, has dominion over the wife. The wife is to be in submission to the husband. And likewise, the law is cast in that role of the husband. It goes on to say in verse 2, For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. And and this is um, part of God's law concerning marriage and divorce and remarriage and and uh, widowers and, and widows. If a man or a woman has been married and divorced and their spouse still is alive, the Bible will not allow for them to remarry because it would be adultery. They're already married to their former spouse. The, the woman is married to her former husband. He still lives. So if she marries another, she commits adultery because God still considers her married to her first husband. Well, you know, that's an important law because God is saying it's only when the former husband is dead that she is then free to marry another and to get married again. And so if a woman had a husband, and whether she was married to him for 50 years and they stayed together, or whether she was married to him for five years and they divorced, as long as the husband dies and he he is now dead, that ends the marriage between the woman and her husband, and now she's free to remarry, to get married again. The Bible has no problem with that. God's Word says that's fine. If If that's something that you want to do, it's permissible. You may remarry. If if the former husband is alive and you're divorced, no, that's not fine with the Bible. That's not permissible. That would be committing adultery. And it's only if the husband's dead. Now, that's important because, again, mankind is married to the law of God. 
and and the law is our husband. And the law, though, is condemning us. Uh, we would want to get out of that marriage relationship if possible, but the only way of getting out of a marriage relationship is if there is death. And, and so uh, God says here in Romans 7, verse 3, So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. And then in verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Well, you see what God is saying there? That these sinners... And, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. These sinners that are God's elect, just like every other sinner, but they happen to be God's elect, chosen according to the good pleasure of God. He, he picked certain ones to save. It had nothing to do with any goodness in them. It's only according to God's good pleasure. And yet he did choose these certain individuals to become saved, and yet they're married to the law of God, and the law of God condemns them for their sin. Well, God um, provides a, a solution. They become dead to the law by the body of Christ, because Christ died and, and Christ uh, paid the penalty for their sins, but, but he dies freeing them from the bondage or, or the, uh, the binding marriage relationship with the law of God. And through Christ's death, they are free. And God says that you should be married to another. And, and then he goes on to say, even to him who is raised from the dead. And of course, that's Jesus Christ. He is the other we are married to. And, and here it, it's stated very plainly, if we are to be married to another, it means we have been married previously. And our previous marriage was to the law of God, but now by the body of Christ, we are freed from that relationship. And, and that's why the Bible says there is therefore now no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. We are not condemned by the law. Our, our former husband no longer sees the sin and, and there is no longer that binding relationship with the law of God through the body of Jesus Christ. Well, uh, this is the wonderful aspect of of the spiritual marriage between Christ and his bride, which is comprised of everyone that he has saved 
the whole company of the elect. Now there's a, another parable in Matthew that also involves marriage. In Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 25, where we read of the ten virgins, five are wise and five are foolish. And it says um, in verse 5 of Matthew 25, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Well, here we see the, um, the there was a proclamation, the bridegroom comes, and then all the virgins went out to meet him. And that relates to the worldwide proclamation of May 21, 2011, which was announcing the coming of Christ in judgment. And therefore, since he is the bridegroom, it was, it was a declaration, the bridegroom cometh. And all those in the churches turned to their Bibles, which the lamp represents here. It, but those with oil, the wise, were able to light the lamp, the, that is, their their minds uh, were illuminated through the Holy Spirit that the oil typifies, and and since the Holy Spirit was enlightening their minds, they had understanding. This is why uh, Daniel says uh, concerning the time we're living in, the time of the end, the wise will understand, but none of the wicked will understand. And, and that's a, a commentary on this parable in Matthew 25, or, or this parable is a commentary on that. They, they, uh, work both ways that the wise virgins have understanding when they light their lamps because they possess the Holy Spirit that guides them into all truth concerning God's program for times and seasons, and and they're able to discern time and judgment. But none of the wicked will understand. The foolish virgins, they also have lamps, they have Bibles, but they lack the Holy Spirit to enlighten the the Word of God. And so they... They, it's like reading in the dark, in pitch black. You, you just cannot, um, learn very much. You, you can't spend much time. If you can see anything at all, it, it's a struggle. And, and that's how it is for the unsaved reading these things in the Bible concerning the end of the church age or Christ, um, uh, dying for sins and paying the penalty from the foundation of the world. 
or the the uh, timing of the Great Tribulation and the timing of Judgment Day and so forth. The information God opened up, it, it was necessary that the Holy Spirit illuminate the minds of the readers as they trim their lamps. And, and if they didn't have oil, they couldn't trim their lamp and they could not see these things. Well, uh, here we see that finally the bridegroom came and that would have been on the day said, the, the day that God revealed to the world would the day seven thousand years from the flood, and and had the equivalent day to when God shut the door of the ark, May twenty one twenty eleven when God shut the door of heaven, the bridegroom came in judgment. Well, notice in verse ten of Matthew twenty five, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. Now, we had a similar statement in Revelation 19. It said um, at the end of verse 7, For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. Well, here in this parable, uh, they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And we we have to be careful with that kind of language that she made herself ready, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But but one thing's for certain, that um, God is the one who saves. It's fully by his grace and mercy. It's all through the work of Christ, through his faith, that any uh, individual becomes saved. And, and he has made those that he saved ready for heaven or ready for salvation by saving them. Yet the wife, the the bride, can also play a part in making herself ready through evangelization because God's pl- program was to give the truth of his word to his people his, his spiritual bride, and they would proclaim it far and wide. The gospel would go into all the world. And as the gospel went forth, the word of the Lord did not return void, but it found uh, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And God blessed his word and saved those individuals, making them ready through his salvation. And they were added to the bride. Uh, to the spiritual picture that God gives of a bride. It, and the bride is all those that God has saved. It made up of millions and millions and millions of elect. And, and, and so that's how the bride made herself ready by participating in the sending forth of the gospel and, and through the outreach of the elect as God moved in them to will and do of his good pleasure. In in that regard, the bride became ready as uh, through the efforts of the people of God, uh, all of the elect to be saved were finally found and saved, completing the 
the formation of the bride and 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 thereby making her ready. And and so we see a little reference to that here in Matthew 25:10. While they went to buy the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. The Greek word translated as marriage here is Strong's 10:62, the same word translated as wedding in uh in other places. And and you know even though it's the same Greek word when we say marriage or we say wedding it does sort of in our minds give a different kind of meaning. Uh, for instance, if we say they went into the marriage, we we tend to think into the the marriage bed. They they went and consummated the marriage. But that's not what this word means. It, it's that same word, remember, that we saw back in Matthew 22, where it said in verse 2, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, in verse 3, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and that's, the identical Greek word to the marriage. So the, the, the marriage for his son is the wedding. It's, it's a word that identifies with the ceremony, not with the intimate part of marriage, not with the consummation of the marriage. Uh, And even today, you know, if, um, if someone is having a wedding, what do we think? We, we don't, we, we understand, well that means they're, they're going to be at the hall and, and they'll have a justice of the peace. I'm, I'm correcting it for the day we're living in since the church age is over. But they're going to have a justice of the peace and there'll be a gathering of friends and family at the wedding. It's a ceremony when we use that word. Or, when we use the word marriage, we we tend to think of that more personal. Um, there, they, they, that word is sort of leads us in our thinking to a more intimate understanding. Yet uh, again, here in Matthew twenty-two, it says in um, in verse eight, then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. These are the same word, uh, God's um, back and forth, um, having it translated as wedding in one verse and marriage in another verse. But it's the same Greek word. In verse 10, So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Now, it's, uh, you know, if you say the marriage was furnished with guests, it it doesn't quite sound right to our ears. But we understand the wedding was furnished with guests. The the ceremony, the the place where the joining together of uh, man and wife would take place. That was furnished with guests, and we understand that very well. Now, in Matthew 25, 10, 
They that were ready went in with him to the wedding. It should be translated wedding, so we don't get confused or or off track um, in thinking that it's a more intimate and more personal um, thing that's happening. No, it is the ceremony. It, it is the time to go to the wedding ceremony. Now, why is that important? Well, because during the wedding ceremony, the, the, first of all, the, the whole world was bidden to the wedding. When the gospel went forth, the call of the gospel was come to the wedding and, and all were bidden to come. And now when, when God saved the last one of the elect, they were ready and they went in with him to the wedding, which means the elect are present at the wedding. But so too are the unsaved. Because in that parable in Matthew chapter 22, remember when the, the king came in, it says in verse 11, And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The king is inspecting the guests, and it's guests plural, but he only goes to this one guest who doesn't have on the proper attire, which means he's passing by other guests that do have on the proper attire. It's those wise virgins, it's the elect. They have come in with the bridegroom to the wedding. They are present during the time of the wedding ceremony. And the wedding ceremony, the Bible identifies with Judgment Day. And that's what Revelation 19 is highlighting and emphasizing. Uh, Again, let me read in verse 9 of Revelation 19. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called, unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, or to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And then in verse 17, it says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And and this is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, of course, that supper would take place during the wedding feast or the wedding ceremony. And, and that is what is presently happening spiritually in the world. It is Judgment Day. It is the time of the wedding, 
the joining together for all eternity of the Lord Jesus Christ and his complete bride, who is now made ready uh, due to the fact every one to be saved has become saved. You don't marry the bride um, in that uh, wide sense of uh, her representing all the elect until all the elect are gathered together in her in, in in that sense of having saved everyone whose name was in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now she's ready for the marriage. She has come to the marriage herself because the elect are still alive and living on the earth in the day of judgment, and it's at this time God is going to hold the marriage feast. Well, we'll look more at this uh, idea. It's really interesting how God ties the wedding to Judgment Day. And also, he doesn't speak of a supper in the Old Testament, but he calls this this marriage supper of the Lamb a sacrifice. And Lord willing, when we get together next time, we'll take a look at that kind of language. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.